Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to oh hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Greskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners. Our weekly breakdown of all the action happening across the Division I college tennis world, of course, on Thursday's shows talk about all the division one men's action and as i mentioned on tuesday very quietly we are approaching the end of the 2022 regular season college conference tournaments excuse me about to get underway all over the country but before we get there we've got one final weekend of action one final chance for so many of these teams to cement their spot either as a top eight seed top 16 seed or just more broadly participant in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Of course, we've got another fantastic weekend of results to break down here on today's show. We also, much as we did with the women on Tuesday, want to take stock of where things stand at this point of the year. We're going to do that via a conversation about our top five MVP candidates at this point of the season. Now, of course, traditionally you think MVP, you think best players in the country. If you want to see who the best players are, go check out the ITA rankings. What we wanted to do is talk about the most valuable positions you will find in the various lineups across the country. Of course, at this point of the year, mid-April, we know what most of the lineups will look like. Of course, there will be some May NCAA tournament chicanery, but we wanted to talk about 
about our MVPs to this point of this season. Of course, then we'll get into all the fantastic results. Kentucky makes their move. They sweep home matches against Tennessee and Georgia. Plenty of action on the West Coast for us to sort out. Of course, we've also got some other storylines. Illinois disaster striking back-to-back losses to Wisconsin and Nebraska. We've got other teams making pushes for the NCAA tournament. SMU, a sleeping giant in Texas. We want to discuss all of that, talk about our rankings, preview the week ahead, and more. Of course, if you are going to cover such a broad span of topics on a show, you better have some help to do it. Thankfully, I do each and every week here. It's the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity joining me as they always do on this show. And to introduce them, let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your co-favorite writer for our website, CrackedRackets.com. And of course, I'll say a man surprisingly tan joining us on tonight's broadcast is our friend, Matt the Crack Sikoic. Matty, have you been hanging out in the sun? Are you holding out on us? <laughs> Look, man, Raleigh, North Carolina, the weather gets hot here quick. Um, I'm going to need to get out some sunscreen, I think. I think so. I mean, again, this is like, Stokowiak takes the second set over Luca Wiedemann levels of red on your face right now. <laughs> Wait till July, man. I mean, you're not going to recognize me. Uh, but no, hey, I, I need to be spending more time outside anyway. So I think it's a good thing. No, you've got the summer glow. You've got the summer body ready to rock and roll. Hopefully, I'll be able to drag you over to Champagne. But that's a discussion we can have off mic, of course. Also joining us here, a man who never glows. Uh, always radiant, though, nevertheless, always radiant. He's bunned up as always. You know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the list. UTR aim one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, by the way. They gave him reason to root for the Flames for the first time in a while this weekend. Of course, a post prime Greg Maddox is our friend Chris Helliors. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you feeling today? Feeling good. Hey, uh, actually, not, not only the weekend, but a 7-0 win today over North Florida for the Flames. That's, that's, that's a big, we, they, we said this off mic, or maybe it was on mic, who knows at this point. Uh, look, the narrative is lining up for a post you know, a postseason tournament push. They win the conference tournament. They're into the NCAA tournament. Then there's going to be all this buzz around Trevor. Where does he go next? It's all shaping up beautifully, Chris. And that's something we can discuss in the offseason. But again, we've got plenty to discuss here on today's show. And the reason we're able to cover it all week in, week out here at Crack Rackets throughout the college tennis season is because of the support we get from all of you. Again, coaches, players, fans, so many of you have reached out to the countless athletic departments that have sent us gear. We are immensely grateful for that fact. And obviously we're so grateful to all of you who have embraced our coverage of the college tennis universe. I feel like we have a really fun community of college tennis fans now all connected from Scotty B all the way through. We appreciate all of you who are joining us live here tonight on YouTube. If you're listening in podcast form, don't miss out on these live shows before you know it, they'll be done for the season. You got to see the effects. Super producer, Daniel Westoff works in best in the business. So thank Thank you to all of you who are joining us live. And of course, to all of you who listen week in, week out. Thank you for your dedication and your commitment to us as well. Of course, a huge thank you to the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision and Turner without whom these podcasts would not be possible. Of course, you all know our friends at Swing Vision on the forefront of all innovations happening in terms of artificial intelligence in tennis. It's all on an app. 
You have it on your phone. You'll be better for it. I promise. Learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. When you inevitably sign up, use our promo code CRACK20. You'll get $20 off plus a 14-day pro trial. Again, a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their support. A huge shout out to our friends at Turna as well. And all of you know Turna their world-famous turn to grip. But, of course, they've got so much more as well, whether it be the big hitter Silver 7 Tour, which uh, is their latest and greatest string being offered and test number one by multiple metrics, multiple reviewers of string. Again, give our friends at Turner a chance, not just for your grips, for everything else. You won't be let down. You can contact them to join the Turner team by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. Of course, again, you mentioned Crack Racket sent you the hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples, contact sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today. With all of that said, Let's get into it. And again, we're mixing things up like any good marriage. You got to keep things spicy. We're going to start things off with an MVP conversation. Some of you listeners may know Maddie's a busy man. Not only is he getting tan, he's got a full time job. He's trying to live a life. So, Maddie, in the end, you're going to be our third party arbiter. You're going to decide whose top five MVP. P list is better. Now I asked Chris. I'll go Chris. Is top, yeah. I asked Chris to come up with you. See, this is why I knew it wasn't going to work because there was no way you're going to be like, well, Gruskin wins. That will never happen. No, right, let's just see. Let's just see. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll the be other fair. thing is like Westoff wouldn't do it either. So you know who I'm going to trust? The people. The people will know who the people's champion is. Leave comments. Again. Yes. But, you know, yeah, in the YouTube section or, of course, tweet at any of us or at Cracked Rackets. But you know, I want to get to our top five lists. I want to start with number five. Before we do that, Chris, as you put together your list and there was one rule and I stole it from John J. Parsons, who, uh, of course, joins me every Tuesday to discuss all the Division One women's action. We said no number one singles players in the country. And after we get through our top five lists, I'll go through the bat. We can have a best number ones discussion. We can have an honorable mention discussion as well. But I just want to start philosophy first. When you looked at value, certainly record helps, but are you, you know, value at two and three is more valuable than five and six. Are you factoring in double success as well? What are you looking at? Yeah. So, well, I, no, to me, two, three, four, five, six, I don't care. Um, yeah. Maybe you could slightly lean, but a point's a point. I don't care whether you get the point at six or you get the point at two. If you, if you theoretically had someone that was a lock, if you had a guy that was undefeated and he went undefeated at six, he's just as valuable as the guy that went undefeated at two for someone else. He'd never lost a point for you. So I didn't particularly care what position the player played. To be honest, I wanted to take more doubles into account than I did. I just didn't have the time to dig that deeply into the doubles records. I do have one note, at least for one of my guys, that I am counting on you not including uh, that a doubles was also a, a big part of. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, I think it should for sure count in addition. But I primarily was just looking at how valuable, you know, were you, were, were the points you were adding to the singles lineup primarily. And I, yeah. and I didn't care what position. No, I had three categories. It was obviously, again, win-loss record. I think doubles uh, success contributes as well because some of these players are worth a point and a half. Like you feel like you have them in half of the slot. You've got a pretty good shot, particularly with who they're partnered with, to win at least one set there and put yourself in a position to capture that doubles point. At the third time, 
I did have positional flexibility as a wild, you know, as the third final factor, because there are a lot of good records and there are a lot of players who are good at both singles and doubles, but can you do it at multiple spots in the lineup? And have we seen this season, whether it be injuries to your team, whatever it may be, you have to step up a spot or two. Have you been able to do so when called upon? I have like 20 names on my list. I think I had 15 honorable mentions. I have a list of the best number ones as well. This was a really difficult exercise. And with all due respect to the women's side, it was just a little bit harder for me on the men's side because the standouts on the women's side have just stood out more uh, than, than the standouts, I suppose, on the men's side. And I think there are thin margins and there have been a couple of lumps that a bunch of people have taken throughout the course of the season. With all of that said, We'll get to the honorable mentions. We'll get to the best number ones. Let's just get into our list, though. And again, Maddie, I apologize. I'm not looping you in here, but you'll get the choices on number five. Who's winning? Your thoughts. Let's bring those number fives on the screen now. And Chris, we'll start with your pick. You go Joshua Lapidot of Kentucky. Make the case. I mean, look, this is, first of all, in value to the team. We knew they were four deep. And we and we know that they're questionable at best in doubles, right? So they need another point. They're a top 10 team looking for help. The guy goes, and I'll have to pull out, I think it's 16 and two uh, in singles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 16 and two. And, you know, some of those obviously are going to be cupcakes, but 12 and one in the five spot where he's primarily played the SEC season for them, meaning, you know, he's not losing other than other than one match. And I watched him in person, you know, just tear Josh Gujar apart at Kentucky. I watched him destroy Julio Perego and walked away thinking, oh, oh, I'm still amazed by this. I walked away from that match that lapped at one, one and two going, wow, Perego is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think anything about Josh. I'm just like, Perego's good. And he just got destroyed. So, yeah, Lapidat's, I mean, you know. I primarily, when I went through these lists, I, there were so many guys that didn't have more than two losses. It was hard to even mm-hmm. consider someone that didn't, unless you wanted to consider, you know, an injury case or something that they were coming off of. But yeah, I mean, 16 and two, 12 and one at the five spot for a team that really needed another point in the lineup for me. I, I He's in, he's in the top five. It's a very good pick. Certainly when we have, and we're going to do an award show at the end of the year, lock it in. I just sent a message to super producer Daniel Westoff to tell him to not let me forget. We're also going to do a mailbag show. So get those questions ready. We'll do uh, certainly the mailbag before the NCAA tournament. We may save the award show for after the year. If it's a most improved category, I mean, Lapidot has to be number one. Now for me, for Kentucky, when I'm looking at the most valuable spot in their lineup, it's the number three. And whether it's Diallo or Hurian, and I believe Diallo's are combined, they may have lost one match at the number one, uh, number three spot. I'll look it up momentarily. But that's to me why Lapidot misses off on the top five of my list is because I think I can make a case. And yeah, you look for them overall. They're 18 and two at the number three spot. One loss uh, for Diallo, one loss actually for Musatelli. That number three spot for me to Kentucky and knowing you have Draxel at one and honestly, whomever is at two, it's just like they feel they can take two of the top three against any team in the country. And that's where the foundation of their success is. Now, Lapidot puts them over the top. But to me, Maddie, number three is more valuable. That's why I left them off. See, I don't know, Gruskin, because we knew that the top three of Kentucky were going to be good. We didn't question that coming into the season. What we questioned was the depth. 
I don't think any of us saw what Josh has done this year. I certainly didn't expect it. I think you guys can both admit that you didn't expect it either. Um, So I like the pick there. I mean, I think with what he's done in the SEC and look, Kentucky, like, like Chris said, I mean, they're a top 10 team. Um, They've been very, very good all year long. I don't know if, if they have that same type of success without Josh doing what he's done. So I think that's a fairly good choice. Fair. Again, that's Chris's number five. And certainly he was a guy I considered in putting on my list. I have Michigan doubles as the number five spot on my list. And you look for this Michigan team, 16 and two overall on the year. They're 17 and one in doubles points. The one doubles point they lose to Harvard. They lose that match for three. Now they win a doubles point against Wake Forest, but lose that match for three. They win the doubles point against TCU. They win that match. Win doubles points against Ohio State and Baylor. They earn 4-0 victories in that match. Michigan's ability to go up 1-0 in these matches is so essential. Because do I know for certain there are locks in the Michigan lineup? No. Now, all the records across the board. Michigan's a ridiculous 72-15 and in singles. They've won 83% of their matches in singles. That positional flexibility is why the doubles point is so important. Because, yeah, I think Michigan at some point is going to drop a doubles point. They'll have to find four. It may be as soon as this weekend in Columbus. But when they find one, I am damn certain they are going to find three singles victories, whether it is Styler, who's playing as well as any player in the country, or you know, two out of the three of Bickersteth, Young, and Beattie at four, five, and six. This team has depth. They may not have the outstanding, you know, the locks at one, two, three, four, five, and six, but they have depth and they can win everywhere. And that strength is pronounced by the uh, success they have in doubles. And yeah, they've skated by a couple of seven sixes flip. Soto converts on one of his four match points. Maybe they're not on this list. But they have won all of those tiebreakers, and they are up 1-0 in all but one match on the season. If Michigan makes a run in the NCAA tournament, it's because they're one up 1-0 on everyone, and then the rest of their depth wins out. Um, There's silence, which means I made a good case, Maddie. Well, look, here's my thing. I For this exercise... You're, you didn't pick a player. I mean, so like you're. I picked a point though. It's a single point. That's why, like, I didn't pick an individual team. It's a collective point because I can't pick any one Michigan player. I can say that doubles point, that energy going up 1 0 has worked for them all year. Right. I mean, you're. And that's the foundation of the success. Let's move on. You lose this position. No, you're wrong. No, Gruskin, look, I don't disagree. You know how big I am on doubles, right? I'm the one that comes on here every week and says, you have got to find a way to win doubles points. If you're going to be an elite team in the country, you have to win doubles points or else you're not just going to find four singles over and over and over again. You're right, Gruskin. All the points you made are correct. I mean, I think Michigan, when they go into singles up a point, they know, hey, we are a deeper team this year. We've got some experience. We can find three no matter what against anybody. Um, so I, I understand why you put them on there, but it's kind of hard to compare. We're talking about Josh, I mean, and then we're talking about six Michigan doubles players or so whatever it is. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have the Michigan doubles point or the availability of Josh Lopidot in your lineup? Because that's what this comes down to. Yeah, I mean, 
Probably the Michigan doubles point. Then I win the category. I don't care what you say, Chris. Let's move on to number four. No, sorry. I, need, I didn't mean to jump all over you there, Matty. No, I mean, look, you doubles is so critical. Josh has been fantastic, but I can find somebody to, to kind of come up with some of that mm-hmm. production lower in the mm-hmm. lineup. I do think if you win, what are they? They've won how many? 17, all but one. 17 all but and one. one. All but one. I mean, that to me is that is huge. But I do have to say, Gruskin, I don't like how you put Michigan doubles on. It's there. a point. It's the most valuable point. The doubles point is a point. That's what I'm saying. Michigan's ability to so, go up one oh, they're just in everything. So on on Westoff's graphic here where it says the race for MVP, that is the race for most valuable point. Excluding well, all number one singles players. That, that's what Gruskin made it. I assumed it was the most valuable player, Maddie. So. Look, right. it, Chris, if I didn't cheat, this wouldn't be a great job <laughs> podcast. I, so I, like, I got to give you props. It's actually pretty sneaky good because I even, as I started to text my picks to Westoff, I had groups, but they were groups of players. And I was going to okay. just because of that was going to make you mad. And then I figured, nah, no, I won't do that. I'll put them in my honorable mentions and we'll come to those later. But but I didn't yeah. even think about throwing doubles in there. So well, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. I'm really happy you said that because let's get to number four on the list. Oh, and number no. four on my list, uh, and we can start right away, is the Ohio State number two singles player. Because it doesn't matter if you want to go Kingsley or Votzel. Ohio State's 17 and one at the number two single spot. Now, Kingsley's played the majority of the matches at one. So if you want to include him as your definitive number one, that's fine. Votzel's 15 and one overall in dual matches, 12 and 0 at the number two single spot. You're also guaranteed to get a good doubles player. Cash and Votzel, 13 and three overall. Kingsley and Tracy, 12 and one overall. Give me the Ohio State number two player because that player's putting up a point and a half in just about every match that they play. And I couldn't decide between Kingsley and Votzel. So, yes, I cheated. But again, if it's if the exercise, and I think we can say at this point, is most valuable point, it's who's ever at two on any given day for Ohio State. Gruskin, pick one of the two right now or else I'm giving Chris the point automatically. I, who are we saying is the number two for Ohio State? I'll take either. Whomever you, you want to assign. Who's played more? Votzel. Votzel's played more. Too. So, so then I'll okay. put Votzel there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Chris, by the way, Max Bazing, who you pick for Stanford, and I want to hear your case at four, he was in my honorable mentions. He has been sneaky excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, and as I look through, he's 13-1 and one in dual matches. His only loss to Peter Mack from USC, he also beat him. So he doesn't even have a losing record against anybody on the year. And yes, I know they don't play, you know, I did, you mentioned criteria early on. I didn't get into it. I did try to keep a little bit of strength of schedule, right? If you went, you know, 15 and one against a bunch of cupcakes, then, you know, that doesn't quite count as much, but that's, that's not the case here. I mean, he's played, He's played a good schedule. He he revenged the loss he had to, to Mac. He's beaten. He beat Perego. He beat Lambling. You look at his record. He lost. The, he's lost one match. Of all of those wins, only one went three sets. Uh, every other match, straight set wins for him, and those are over. Timmy Zietvogel, who I'll give away, is on my honorable mention list. Who's been <laughs> tremendous this year. He beat him one and one. 
So I went Samaria him. instead of Zeet Vogel on the. Well, I, I actually have the combo, so you'll. See <laughs> okay, <that>. sure. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, you know he beat Perego, he beat Mac, he beat Colton Smith. I mean, tremendous season for him. Uh, you know, to go thirteen and one when again I I kind of leaned a little bit to some of these guys where we knew what the rest of the team was. We all knew Axel Geller. We all knew, uh, you know, uh, Alex Fairy. Alex Rotzer. You know, we knew Arthur Ferry. We didn't know what we were going to get from this freshman coming in and come in 13 and one and do what he's done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big point for them. Maddie, who wins? Tudo Gruskin, put it I, on the I, board. I think so. Look, here's the thing. And I, I was thinking about this earlier, right? Ohio State, when you have Vossel, like a guy like that, you have two number ones. Yeah. You have two number one players on your team. That, that is huge. And I, I thought for sure, I mean, if I had the time that, and, and I was going to do this with you guys, I think for sure I would have had Vossel on there because, I mean, it's just a no-brainer. Ohio State's been a top-five team all year. Stay, Chris, I like the pick. I mean, Max, as a freshman, has been unbelievable. In the absence of Tristan Boyer as well, it's worth noting. We talk about positional flexibility. He's playing a spot higher than he probably should have been. Well, yeah, look, we, we were talking about this before we came on. I, I I can't argue. I told Gruskin beforehand, one, because we said no number ones. I tried to shy away from that. Yeah, I cheated for split sure. Time. Well, in, in, in addition, I just didn't want to put two guys from the same team. And we all know we're going to have the other guy on here. So, yeah, uh, which, which puts me in a bind here, because now knowing we both have him, I have to win the next two or we're done. Well, this uh, is the fascination is that Ohio State is going to have two top five MVP candidates. Aren't and they're not the favorite to win the NCAA tournament. Like, what are we doing? I think that's something we have to discuss coming off of this. Um, but, Manny, I didn't mean to cut you off. And I would just echo your sentiment on Bazing. Yeah, no, Vossel, though, I mean, again, Ohio State, this is a guy that transferred in, right? This is his first year in Columbus. I mean, he's made such a difference for a team that's been in the top five all year long. I mean, I have to give the nod there. I I would have had him on my list as well. All right, well, then let's move on to number threes. And look, this is where, okay, this is interesting. I I was curious what you were going to pick here. So you go Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, because I think we're going to agree on the top two. You go Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, University of Virginia at number three. I go Shinsuke Mitsui, which what? Uh, well, I'll explain. I have again. That's more of a uh, subjective than objective take for me at number three. But I want to hear the von der Schulenberg case for three because, to be honest, he's if I was to take out Michigan doubles, I would have put him at three uh, at five. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing: when I started looking in because I knew we were doing this. I just remembered how at the beginning of the year, how unimpressed I was with kind of the fall and the start to the season that that von der Schulenberg had. And as I started looking, I went and I knew he had been hot lately. I just didn't know (laughs) that it really had started right from the get go in the dual match season. He's 16 and one in dual matches. He's lost one match at four. You know, he's four. No, it. At, at two, seven, no, at three, five and one at four. Uh, I mean, it's just, that's as close to a lock, right? One loss all year in dual matches as you can get uh, to a team where, you know, we know what other talent they had. And again, I, again, I, I kind of like picking the guys he's, he's playing prime more three and four than he did 
two, and he's probably kind of settled at three, but, but yeah, I like the guys that I'm trying to stay away from the top. So I I almost gave him, you know, in my own mind, bonus points for not being the two guy on the team. Uh, But yeah, it's, there's no way I couldn't put him on the list 16 and one uh, for a team that's playing in the ACs. Again, this is, you know, an ACC, if you're going to go 16 and one at a spot, if you're in the ACC or the SEC, you're on my list already. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a guarantee. My problem is I think he's like four matches over 500. I think he's like 12 and eight or 11 and eight in doubles overall. And you're right. I mean, he's 16 and one in singles. He's won his last 11 decisions. He's playing his best tennis. And we said coming into the season, that third guy for Virginia is going to be inherently valuable because they should be winning so many freaking matches. And again, not to take some victory laps, but you guys mock me a lot. Someone, someone suggested Barbotzer would be playing in the bottom half of the lineup at the start of the season and was routinely mocked by his two other members of the college tennis, Holy Trinity. Man, does that guy look smart right now. Uh, I'm just saying that guy, shout out to that guy who also put Shinsuke Mitsui number three on his list. And the reason I have Mitsui number three on the list, and by the way, I have no disagreements with your Von der Schulenberg takes, but what Shinsuke Mitsui has meant to this Tennessee team as a freshman. And to be honest, I almost cheated and just put Adam Walton here because he's the one who really deserves this spot. Just to be at that number one spot, be as consistent as he has to, for him and Harper to steady the ship. And now they're cruising in doubles as well. They've won something like eight of their last nine or nine of their last 10, something crazy like that. But the lifeblood of this team through the Monday injuries, through Bicknell being ineligible, through everything they've dealt with with Martin Prada, the lifeblood has been freshman Shinsuke Mitsui. And you look for Mitsui overall in dual match play, 18 and three. He's played anywhere from three to six in the singles lineup. He has been asked to step up. He's done it. He's been asked to move down, but be a sure thing. He has been a sure thing. You look for he and Emil Hud, who 10 and seven overall in dual match play. Like the record does not sound great, but I still feel just as good about that team because uh, who were two and four at the number one spot, but now uh, down to number th- uh, two, where, you know, given the rise of Walton and Harper. There's also the, again, non-quantifiable factor. He is just an energy boost. And when you're at the end of the dynasty run, as they are with Walton and Harper and all of these guys, this is the end of that chapter of Tennessee tennis. You need that lifeblood. You need that shot in the arm to just wake everyone up. That has been the freshman Shinsuke Mitsui. Every team in the country would want them on their roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. He's been good. I just don't think as, I mean, you meant he's got three losses. Look, he lost to an out of form Trent Bride. Uh, you know, he he lost a store, story who's not been the greatest at that spot for them. And then Fernley, Fernley and, at and the Fernley indoors. Did, yeah, yeah. And pro, but, but at the, on the same hand, one of the most impressive matches I've seen from him all year over Wompy. Uh, you know, four and oh, uh, which was tremendous, but yeah, I think I mean, there is no doubt he's a freshman, he's going to be great. I mean, the kid, he and it's he's so fun to watch, he gets to everything, he's so fast, he has so much energy. Uh, I, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about him, I just didn't have him, you know, I just didn't put him in the in the top five, Maddie. Ruling goes I, to you, yeah. So, you guys know how big of a fan of Dr. Vaughn I am. I mean, I have to give the nod to Chris on this one. Mitsui, look, Gruskin, again, like Chris said, I don't have any, 
any problem with him at all. He's been awesome as a freshman, just like Max. Chris put Max on there from Stanford, you know, as his number four player. I gave you the nod last time. I'm giving Chris the nod here. I mean, Dr. Vaughn's been sensational. And that's, you know, he's been playing the type of tennis that we know he can play. Um, and and look, Virginia started the season very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. And now they are back up where we thought they would be preseason. Um, and he has a lot to do with that, man. I mean, without Dr. Vaughn, Virginia's, I mean, they're out of there. So um, I'm going to give this one to Chris. Yeah, fair. I like keeps it, keeps him alive, and again, Doc Vaughn, very good pick. I'm belongs. on the comeback trail, Gruskin. He's I'm going to catch you. Yeah, he's sixth on the list. All right, let's go to number two. We uh, do not have uh, the same number two. There's no way. Wow. Oh, All yeah. right. So you go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look. Did I look at the Utah lineup? I did. Did I see Jeronimo Espin's numbers? I did. This is where strength of schedule comes into play. (laughs) With all due respect, I love the pick, Chris. I go J.J. Tracy at my number two spot. I don't even think we need to make the case for Tracy. What Michigan player do you have at number one? (laughs) don't worry uh tracy for just quickly for the numbers 29 and 4 overall for tracy 14 and 0 in dual match play won every man you know 13 and 1 overall with kingsley but they're 12 and 1 in dual match play and again he's lost once singles or doubles he's lost once you can play him at three i'd still feel good about him uh, with him against anyone watching him at the national indoors look at pedro vives and say i am beating you start the clock you have 37 minutes give it your best effort but then it's one all and to see him do that and just again he was my vote for most outstanding player at the national indoors he was better at his flight than anyone else was in the building He's number two on my list. I win, but go ahead, Chris. I mean, again, Espen belongs in the conversation. First of all, you don't win, and I'm changing the rules right now. We're going to put up number one because obviously I have J.J. Tracy at number one, and the two J.J. Tracys canceled themselves out, and we're going to battle your one versus my two. Oh, there's no chance. Riffis has lost four matches in dual match play. Right, go he ahead. Make, make your case. So make your case for Espen. He's lost four matches. Geronimo Espen for Utah. Okay, this is not a Utah team that's playing cupcakes. They're in the Pac-12. Maddie, and I know you won't know this because, hell, until I started doing the research, I didn't know this. <laughs> Espen playing primarily number three for Utah is 16-1 and one in singles. And now I'll throw in, just because Gruskin wanted to make doubles so important, he's 18-1 and one playing doubles primarily at the one double spot, 13 and one at one doubles uh, with Capaldo. So he's 16 and one in singles, 18 and one in doubles for a Utah team that, you know, has cracked the top 25 rankings a lot this year for, I'm sure, probably the first time in a while, put them on the radar, a super important point for that team. 34 and two overall. Come on. All right. Do you want me to make the argument for Riffis? Yep. He's, I mean, he is the single when he plays like this, he is the most valuable player in the country. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You look for Sam Riffis now, 16 and four overall. All four of those losses came at the number one single spot. He's 12 and 0 at number two singles. He's won his last 12 matches. Not a coincidence. Florida has not lost since the national indoors when he's picked up his level. You look for Riffis. He's also at the number one double spot where he and Ben Shelton, 12 and six overall, but they're eight and two in their last 10. They've won their last four decisions. They are very much starting to look like the top 20 uh, doubles team that they're reflected as in the rankings. 
when Riffis plays like this, all due respect, you just you're going to put up 1-0 on the board. And to have that at the number two single spot, to be able to say, it doesn't matter if we're going up against the Kingsleys of the world. It doesn't matter if we're going up against the Sotos of the world. We have the defending NCAA singles champion playing his best tennis at the number two single spot. Put the point on the board. He's starting to play much better with Shelton in doubles as well. When Riffis plays like he has these last 12 matches, like I want him more than anyone else. What's his record in doubles? I don't even know. So I'm just, you look for them twelve and six overall, eight and two in their last four, uh, in their last ten. So he's twelve. Yeah, but and we're six looking at doubles. the totality of it, Gruskin. You I agree. Up the past ten matches. No, I'm saying he's number one because he has been so good down the home stretch that that exceptionalness is what takes Florida from. Oh yeah, they've got a ton of talent. What's it going to be? To oh, Riffis is playing his best. They're the undisputed favorite. The fact that you put Riffis ahead of Tracy. That's, that's and Chris put Tracy ahead of Espen. I'm giving Chris the point here. You can't put Riffis ahead of Tracy. Why okay, didn't you flip those, Gruskin? Why didn't you go Tracy one and Riffis two? Because, again, as good as Tracy has been all season long, give me this version of Riffis. Because at the higher position, it just matters a little bit more. It's the better version. This version of Riffis Be- is the better version of Tracy. Because he can win more than never losing like Tracy did. I agree. Tracy's exceptional. I'm saying this version of Riffis is the what makes Florida different. It's that they have this top three of Shelton, Riffis, Vale. The only cog in that wheel playing their absolute best right now at all times is Sam Riffis. And right now that wheel is humming. Florida has not lost the match since February. They ripped through another undefeated conference play. Riffis is the guy I want. He's the reason Florida is your unequivocal favorite right now entering the postseason. That's why he's number one. And the numbers. He's also very, very good at tennis. He hasn't lost a match outside of the number one single spot. <laughs> Look, no one here is arguing that Sam is bad. We all know he's really, really yeah. good. It's a guy that played Dimitrov in the U.S. He sucks. I mean, he's horrible. <laughs> Sell. Yeah, we're just arguing against you. That's all, Gruskin. Yeah, right. that's all. And by the way, that's all I ever ask for. Um, but no. All right. With that said, again, that's where things stand on our MVP race. Let's do this very, very quickly. I want to go to honorable mention and just, again, look at some of the names we left off because, boy, are there a bunch of them. You see Vonder Schulenberg's on my list. Max Bassing is on my list. I want to give a shout out to Francisco Roca, Middle Tennessee. Uh, He has been excellent at that number two spot. He's been really good at number one doubles as well. I've got guys like, you know, Andrew Dale of Duke, Corrado Samaria uh, of Pepperdine, you know, Kentucky number three. Wampy Mizuchi certainly deserves to be in that category. We talk Wake Forest might have gone from properly, you know, severely underrated to maybe we overrated them a little bit to now we have forgotten to talk about them every week. And I think they're back in the severely underrated category and it's the depth for them. And it's Jakob Schneider uh, that does the case. The other thing is if Johannes Monday was healthy, he would be top five. It's not even a conversation. He just hasn't been healthy long enough this season to qualify for the MVP list right now. When we go back to the award show at the end of the year, I have no doubt he will work his way back into the top five. I see Diallo on your list. I see Schneider on your list as well. Samaria's on your list too. Michigan three plus, I'll count as my doubles point. Who are the people I'm missing, Chris? Anything else you'd add? Yeah, well, yeah. So I'm going to go through the ones above that. Yeah, the Michigan three plus to me was, it's just ridiculous because, you know, after Fenty and Styler, when you just look at Bickersteth, Maloney, (laughs) Beattie, uh, Gavin Young, it's, 
they're all they just they've all got like one or two losses i can't even pick one out you just i'll take them all mm-hmm. but uh yeah, it's the two above that. So the one and, and probably the most impressive to me for the year, and it's not any individual spot, but, I, you know, I always love the teams that bring in multiple new guys and do something. NC State, just in the, in the same, they've really got four, but, but primarily I went after three singles guys in Salvestri, uh, Staheli, and, and Von Sambik, that those three guys playing in the singles lineup as they're not, I called them news because technically Staheli's a sophomore, I think in eligibility, it's his first year, uh, but he's technically a sophomore. Those three guys playing in the ACC and have that team where they have them with three effect, as far as I'm concerned, freshmen, granted one, you know, sophomore academically has been incredible. Those guys have been great. And then at the same time, slightly older because there's only two of them, the Texas A&M pair of Julio Perego and Luke Casper, again, two freshmen playing in the lineups and the, and the records for, for all of those guys uh, has been un, unbelievable. The, the combo that I mentioned from NC state 37 and 10 in singles, those two guys for A&M 28 and seven in singles. And that's dual match records for them. So 37 and 10 for three first year guys, 28 and seven for Casper and Perego. Uh, I mean, to me, that was, uh, you know, that's tremendous. Yeah, well said. And quickly, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, did you make a graphic for best number ones? If you didn't, I can just go through my list. He did not. So the list I have right now, the best number ones. Steph Dostinick has won, I think, like 14 in a row. He has been everything I hyped him up to be in the preseason for USC. Boyton, everything we thought he'd be for Baylor, obviously, as well. Daniel Rodriguez has been exceptional. Other than this past weekend, Shelton's been exceptional. You know, the other half of Votsal Kingsley, very, very good. Uh, I mentioned Rodriguez. Holmgren's been great. Sheedak's been obviously exceptional for Washington. The one who, you know, Walton, just the consistency he shows. This, the guy who sneakily has earned entry into that group with his play this season is Micah Braswell. Micah Braswell has made the leap for Texas in what has otherwise been. Oh, I almost dropped an F bomb. You're welcome. West off in what has otherwise been a mess of a season, not a cluster swear word for this Texas team. Um, he has been the one consistent presence at the top of their lineup, and they were obviously missing him this past weekend. But Braswell has made the jump into the elite of the elite. So those are the other players we would mention. But with that said, that's where the MVP conversation stands through the first what? three quarters of the season. We'll revisit everything in our postseason award show. With that in mind, let's get to the results we saw over the course of the past week. And, you know, again, still plenty of things for us to discuss right after we cross off Kentucky, right after I allow you guys to bait me into it. Wildcats respond and they make a <laughs> statement in Lexington. They earn four, three victory over Tennessee. They earn a five, two win over Georgia. Now, most notably, they dropped the doubles point against Tennessee. They had a massive lead, a break of serve lead at the number three double spot over a returning Johannes Monday and Mark Walner, previously undefeated team. But Monday and Walner flipped the script there. And then Walton and Harper do their thing. They earn a breaker to win it at the number one spot. What's most impressive in this matchup, and I want to start with you, Chris, because I know we talked about this a little bit on our SEC-centric show not only does Kentucky win with their strength, which is taking two out of the top three, and they get wins from Diallo, 0-1 over Monday, which will excuse from a scoreline perspective because, again, Monday's first match back in about a month. Hurrian, 
Six and three over Emil Hud. That's a match he has to win. He gets it. Even on a day when Draxel doesn't win at the number one spot, though, it's Lapidot at five. And then perhaps most impressively, J.J. Mercer, a three and two win with all eyes on him in that four indoor court scenario in Lexington at court number six. Three and two win over Connor Gannon. Four three win for Kentucky. Now, of course, they back it up against Georgia with a five two victory. Lapidot gets another victory. Hurrian does the job again. Their number three singles player continuing to thrive, this time adding to the mix. It is Francois Musatelli who gets a win at four. It is Draxel who earns the three set victory instead of the three set loss. But perhaps most impressively, Diallo's back in the mix in doubles. And he and Lapidot. Don't lose to Hud and Mitsui. They get a win over Bride and Henning. They win a doubles point against Georgia. Guess what? That's why you got to play all four months of the regular season, Chris. Kentucky might be peaking. Well, yeah, they're definitely getting to the right spot now. I mean, Diallo back uh, healthy enough to, to also be playing doubles. That, that sort of mixed all the doubles lineup around gives them some hope uh, in doubles more so, I think, than they had. But to your point, for them to be able to beat Tennessee without taking the doubles point and without Draxel winning. I'd say the the guy, honestly, that's been the that was that came on over the weekend to me that is very promising for that team is, is Lenny, Melen Hurrion. I mean, he he was not great. Hold on. You spend one weekend in Lexington and you think you can call him Lenny now? Well, that's you know, that's what they call him. <laughs> you know, you trust me, the first time I heard it, I'm like, who the hell is Lenny? And then I I realized, uh, you know, so, but uh, yeah, he, I mean, he, he, he hadn't been great and honestly looked kind of like the potential weak spot for them. Obviously we know six is always, you know, especially outdoors is going to be that weak spot. So now you've got to be really strong everywhere else. And he, and, and it was a little weak. He played tremendous. That's a, that's a good sign for them that he's come on. They're getting doubles to come on. Look, Draxel, I could care less at this point in the season what Draxel's doing. He's going to play three set matches and he's going to stay out there forever. So even if he's not going to win, if your match is going to come down to a four, three match, he'll be out there for two and a half, three hours and, and it'll come down to him. So, so, you know, him losing to, to Tennessee, big, big deal. They still got the win. I mean, which is great without doubles in him, but, uh, but yeah, these guys are, I mean, they're starting to come on. We still have the same concern and that is can they win doubles but more so i mean against the top teams i'm not sure they can get a point at six right now and it's really tough if you're just going to give one up yes they got it at tennessee but it was indoors and i think that's a great spot for jj mercer indoors will not be the scene for ncaa's it will not be the scene for the conference tournament they've got to find an answer outdoors but i'm not saying that you have to have that point i mean there's there's six other points on the board. They can do it. It's just hard if you kind of if you say, hey, when we play you top 10 guys, we'll give you one and go from there. So here's where I would slightly push back. Hey, and you're right. They are six and 11 overall at that number six single spot. Mercer does go three sets with Georgia at six. And again, Georgia's six. But that's a spot where they're weak. There's certainly a guy short as well. But Mercer's playing better. And certainly a win over Tennessee will help him gain confidence. Now, again, Maddie, we know what we know about this Kentucky team. And certainly with Lapidot solidifying himself two more weekends over top 12 teams in Georgia and Tennessee this weekend, 
I mean, is quarterfinals now the the benchmark for this Kentucky team? They make the quarterfinals. It's a successful season. Anything less, you feel like it's a bit of a disappointment? Well, I no, I because they know should I make the Sweet Sixteen. Oh well, that yeah. If they don't make the Sweet Sixteen, that's that's definitely a disappointment. But if they if they run into somebody, you know, sure. and I don't know where they're going to be seated, but in that round of sixteen matchup. If they run into somebody and they get clipped there, I mean, I don't know if you can look at it as a terribly disappointing season, but if they do make the quarters, if they're in Champaign, if they're one of the final eight, I mean, to me, that's definitely a success. They have to be happy with that. They're they're a very good team. We've been saying it all year long. Kentucky, I, I believe, is such a good team. I just don't know if they can rip off, you know, if they make, let's say they do make it to Champaign, right? And they're in the quarters. Do you really trust them to rip off three matches, their quarters, semis, finals, and win the title? Because I just don't still. I feel like the margins are so slim when it comes to their doubles. And like Chris said, if you're giving away a point at six, and by that time in the quarters, most of these other teams are probably going to have a better number six. Let's be honest. I mean, the guys that are left um, are going to be tougher at that spot. So, I think they can make the quarters. I do. And and I think they, they should be happy with that. I don't know if they can go further. We said there was a clear cut top, you know, seven going into the season, Florida, Ohio state, TCU, Baylor, Tennessee, Virginia, uh, and Texas all very much in the mix. You want to swap out Texas for Michigan. Now I'm not going to stop you. Then there's that next tier, right? Tier two of those very frisky. They can find three points against anyone. Can they find that fourth point? Kentucky is right at the top of that list of right at the top of tier two. And on the right day, they can absolutely beat tier one teams. They did to Tennessee, albeit still a Johannes Monday working his way back. But, you know, they're right there with Virginia, right there with Florida earlier in the season as well. And they got a lot of these matches at home which helps, but that also help means this team has confidence. They can go to a neutral site or on the road and not be afraid to say, Hey, we were three points away here from beating just about all of these teams. I agree. Round of 16, you held seed quarterfinals. The year's an unequivocal success because now you have sniff. Now you are one of those teams that break into that upper echelon. And so it's a really good win for them. Chris, I'm going to ask you to bring up the sec standings if you can, because right now you look for Kentucky, they're number 10 in the current rankings, 10 in the projected rankings as well. Uh, Certainly, you know, for this Kentucky team, they've got the sec tournament. And the question is, are you a five seed, a four seed, a three, a two or a one? If you're a four seed, you get a look at, a Georgia or a South Carolina and a Florida, and then potentially, you know, again, a third team of that top five mix you get, if you're the five or four seed, you get potentially three looks at top 12 teams. Now you win all those matches. You're going to be a top eight seed. What does Kentucky need to do to make it happen? Yeah. So, I mean, the likely scenario, there's, there's a weekend left of sec and obviously they're so tightly packed. Anything could happen, but the likely scenario is they're the three seed. As long as South Carolina holds serve against AM at home, they end up two. Which isn't a guarantee, but it's likely. Correct. And then and then that and then Kentucky, Kentucky's on the road, but they've got LSU and Mississippi State, two matches they should win, right? So if they hold serve, South Carolina holds serve, they both end up uh eleven and uh, or ten and two. South Carolina holds the tiebreak advantage, so they would get the two spot. Kentucky would be three. So Kentucky, the three seed, 
And then you say, well, who does that mean they get? Who's the likely six seed? The likely six seed is A&M. Right now it's Tennessee, but Tennessee figures to win both their matches. They've got Bama and Auburn. A&M has a brutal weekend at South Carolina, at Florida, mm. uh, which you kind of figure is a fun way to end your conference play. <laughs> yeah, that, that looks like it. Owen, to the, that's a weekend. If you split, you're really happy. Uh, you know, that's a that's a tough one. So so that's probably likely to be the six seed for them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Kentucky's on the verge of that top eight and they need something. I just don't I don't think when it comes down to it, that getting a win over Texas A&M in their in their first match in the SEC tournament would be enough. Then they would get the four seed, which are, I'm sorry, the two seed, which would be South Carolina. I think they need to win that match and make the final. So okay. I, I think for them, it's a make the finals of SEC and you get to host. If you don't, you're probably going on the road. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. More like, does Michigan, what, what's a stronger finish? If Kentucky does that and Michigan does not beat Ohio State over the next two matches, we'll say, on the road in Big Ten final, Kentucky boxes them out for that third top eight seed, right? Mm, I don't think so. Well, that's the race, right? Because right now you've got – it's Michigan 7, Wake Forest 8, South Carolina 9, Kentucky 10. So Michigan, Wake Forest, and that third SEC team. That's a race. Yeah, I mean, that's going right, to be lo- fun. Losing a match for Michigan to lose a match to Ohio State barely, I mean, that, that barely does anything to them. It, it yeah. doesn't drop them to where Kentucky's at. I it mean, would be so great if Wake Forest now has to go on the road to Michigan for the round of 16, a little to, poetry. To get there a little after. rematch. From yeah, after Michigan's had to go to Wake Forest that year, we had to go there 2017, and we played them really tough in 2017, but that's a story for another time. Uh, yeah, anyways, Kentucky makes their move. Massive weekend of results, and obviously you keep all eyes on the SEC. And by the way, we'll have a bunch of those matches Friday for you on our Crack Rackets cross-court cast. But with that in mind, Let's move out west. There were a plethora of results for us to discuss, and we may not lock in on any, but I kind of want to superficially run through all of them. I do think at this point we can call USC the best team on the West Coast. Now, I'm not including Arizona in that conversation. The best team, California parallel, uh, on the California parallel, if that makes sense. And you look for USC, they probably knock San Diego out of top 16 contention. The Trojans, a 4-0 victory over the Toros. They also earn a 4-2 win over UCLA. We mentioned it earlier. Destonic has just been so good for the Trojans at the number one spot. Again, a definitively a top five player uh, on the season. The freshmen are getting better as well. Bradley Fry seems to have found his footing. Maddie, where are you at with this Trojan team? We said it was going to be a slow burn with them. They were very young. Things are starting to burn though. Yeah, they are. I mean, look, I still don't think they're a, a major threat, just still a little bit too young. And, you know, they're this isn't going to be their year to, to really make up. Final four type of a run or, you know, 
it's going to be tough, I think, for them to even reach the quarterfinals. I think this is a team that, you know, is probably going to finish in the round of 16. Um, but, you know, some of these results, I mean, them beating San Diego and UCLA, and then we've got Stanford over Washington and Oregon. I mean, that's the cream of the, the Pac-12, right? Rising to the top. That's kind of what we expected um, at the beginning of the season. So, you know, if we look at this graphic here, none of these results are super surprising to me. I mean, I think that's that's what we would expect. Now, for the Trojans, they are scary. I mean, you can't take them lightly. If you are a top team, be aware. I mean, you've got Steph at the top and you've got Bradley Fry, who's very experienced and has been around for years. They're dangerous. Um, but again, I just I don't think they have the goods to, to make a super deep run this year. No, I want to follow up on that, but Nate Campbell in the chat missed this. He says, best seed Ohio State can get in the tournament if they win out. Ohio State's going to be a top eight seed, Nate. You have nothing uh, to worry about. They were just simply put too good in the months of January and February. Here's the thing. I like all of the ingredients. They've got the big hitter in Fry. They've got the scrapper, the young freshman in Ryan Colby. They've got the, you know, the pretty face up top in uh, Steph. It's the size of the freshmen, Mock and Merrick. These are big boys. Like these guys, yes, they're freshmen, but physically they're ready. And so that's why I mean, now mentally, that's the question is how prepared can this team be? But they have been about as good as you could have asked them to be uh, throughout the course of the regular season since the national indoors. And I do think, I mean, again, you compare it to Stanford, who beats Washington this, uh, beats Washington and Oregon this weekend and a Utah team that, you know, again, sure, beats the Trojans, right? Like, that's what this Arizona team has going. Or I think they beat the Trojans, if my memory is serving me correctly. Uh, I'll make sure to go double-check that, but I believe they did. Maddie, you can uh, check me there. I mean, outside of that, like, with all due respect to Pepperdine, with all due respect to San Diego, to Stanford, I think USC is the team I'm picking as the worthiest of the top 16 group, Chris, now, that said, Arizona's in a different conversation. Maddie, you're shaking your head. My memory is serving me correctly, right? No, no, no. I was agreeing with you on uh, USC okay. being the top California slash vertical Oregon, Washington. I think you're right there, Groskin. But again, you know, I don't know. Arizona, I mean, I, I would favor Arizona, I think. Well, Arizona did, in fact, beat USC 4-3 in Los Angeles. Good job, Alex. Right. Your brain still works. Um, Chris? Your thoughts, again, Stanford, the wins over Washington, Oregon, Arizona gets a good win over your squad, Utah. I mean, if we include Arizona, I think Arizona, I guess I'll say this. I think Arizona and USC are better than Stanford. I would not, I like, I'm a little out. I mean, I'm not out on the Stanford team. I guess it's just like, it's been a meh season for them. Where are you with all the West Coast nonsense? Yeah, look, admit it. We're all out on Stanford. I mean, yeah, well, you guys were way more in than I was. But they just yeah, they haven't done it. The Boyer leaving thing. There's just there's not a lot of momentum there. And what you know, what you want more than anything headed into conference and NCAA tournament is is a bunch of momentum. That's actually so perfectly put. I apologize for cutting you off. Stanford, not once this season have they had the big mo like not once. Yeah. I mean, it's, we know they have talent. There's just, there's just no momentum there. So it's hard to get, hard to get behind them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And and if you're going to, you know, say you have to pick between USC and Arizona, well then obviously you're going to have to go with the team that won at the other team's place in, in Arizona and Arizona has all kinds of momentum right now. USC is not short of it, 
but uh, but yeah, I, those are clearly the two the the class out there. Good win for USC four zero over San Diego. San Diego, I think, to me, is a very dangerous team. Uh, again, it's, I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna beat a top eight type seed, but you know you you catch them if they end up being you know a spot out or two or three spots out of that final hosting spot or something like that, and you catch them as the sixteen seed. Not really the team you want to see coming in, especially with Holmgren at the top. If you're a team who's you know, heavily stacked towards the top as well, because anything can happen then. But, but yeah, clearly I'd say Arizona, then USC, then Stanford would be my order in, in those top three out there. At least uh, the, the two- team, the team that's made the move though, right here recently is UCLA, a couple good wins, got them back in the tournament. We had, we had been joking. Are they going to make the tournament? They're yeah. right there on the bubble. Now they're in the conversation. If they do anything at all, down the stretch here, you know, they've got, I think they've got Utah. They win that match. They're back in and they've got conference tourney. It's, you know, I think at least it's been a good feel good story for them. Again, they're not going to jump up and knock a top 16 team out in all likelihood, but, uh, but yeah, I, we, you've got the top three, right? No. Yeah. And Cal's right on that border as well as they're uh, they are in a good win over Washington, uh, but get knocked out by Oregon. Look, I mean, I think ultimately you look at the rankings right now, USC 13, Arizona 14, Stanford 16. I think two of those three teams or there will be two West Coast hosts out there. But like if there's only one and one of Stanford or Pepperdine or San Diego is going to those Texas schools just geographically, like they're shipped off to Baylor and the TCUs of the world, man, those are going to be some fun round of 32 matches. And so, yeah. And again, you look for the PAC 12 right now, uh, Stanford's projected to be for uh, UCLA, excuse me, projected to be 46. They're just at Washington's at 50 Cal's at 51 Oregon's at 52. They're also 11 and 11 overall. I mean, Arizona state's under 500, so they're not going to get in, but they're sitting at 60 in the rankings. Even then that's a valuable match to play. It's going to be a fun race out West. And again, still some fun matches to come across the board there. So we'll keep our eye on all the action happening on the West coast. With that said, let's move on now. Uh, again, there's plenty of for us to discuss plenty of fun storylines across the board. I want to move on now though, to some of the other headlines, the best of the rest. We can run through these fairly quickly. Disaster strikes for Illinois. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 4-3 loss to Wisconsin, 4-2 loss to Nebraska. Now, they play Northwestern this weekend, but that was the buzzkill, the pop in the balloon. You go on the road. You know, again, you had to win those matches to be an NCAA contention. Now you're fighting with the 500 rule. Now you need something miraculous to happen at the NCAA tournament. I mean, Maddie, it's just like every after everything breaks right, everything broke wrong for the Illini this year. Oh, yeah, the whole year. I don't know why we're putting up disaster strikes now. It's April 14th. I mean, yeah. disaster's been striking this whole year. I, I don't know why we're just talking about this now. Because first. nail in the coffin's too mean to put on the board. Yeah, That's what I, I wanted mean, to say, Maddie. It's when did it strike? I that 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 struck a long time ago. Right. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. To me, it's not a surprise. They lose to who? Wisconsin and Nebraska. So what? I'm not that surprised well, I mean, the way that can wait, i just say sean mamie has had himself a hell of a year at nebraska it has been a really good year for nebraska mm-hmm. yeah and that's why i'm not that shocked by these results at all i mean it, it, you look at illinois season this is just a microcosm of their season bye bye i mean have a nice summer 
Sure. I'd also say this. Danny's had a really good year at Wisconsin as well. That team might finish, again, fourth in the Big Ten. And that's success. That's a step forward. Usually fourth in the Big Ten, good enough to get you in the NCAA tournament. Maybe not this year, but that's a conversation for a different podcast, our Big Ten-centric show, which will be out tomorrow morning as I'm recording it later tonight with John Parsons. Uh, So that's Friday morning. You'll be able to find it on the Great Shot podcast feed. Non-Power 5 Florida teams all staying in the hunt. Chris, I'm just going to give you the floor here. USF. 7 over Wichita, 4-3 over Tulsa. FAU gets wins over Louisiana and Tulane, fall to South Alabama. UCF wins over Tulsa 4-1, lost to Memphis 4-2. Power rank those three to me. Who's getting in? Who's getting left out? Well, the problem with UCF is they're like five matches under 500. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> and, and given what happened with you know Tennessee State years ago, you're no longer allowed to play six matches in a day to get in. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, or whoever, I think that was them, but yeah. on the women's side. But yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked that closely to see if they've added anything, if they, if they have dates, if they can, you know, depending on how many matches left, can they make enough double headers? But at five under uh, UCF, they will, they will get in if they can get to 500. But I think that probably means like they got to win conference tournament just to, just to get enough wins to be 500. So they may need to win conference tournament just to get in the tournament. Regardless, uh, they and, and USF and uh, yeah, power rank them. Boy, I watched that was a great match. USF FAU. I watched the end of that match. Uh, the the South Carolina transfer for USF Bruno lefty playing it. I think it was at five singles playing an FAU kid that was cramping like you would not believe. And usually that spells the end. I for, I forgive whoever, whatever your name is. I don't remember his name. I don't know who he was. I watched the match. Unbelievable fight. The kid came back from not being able to move to win a tie break and win the match for FAU. Um, I still think probably at the way they're coming on, UCF might be the best of that bunch uh, coming on here at the end of the season if they can manage to get themselves uh, in the tournament somehow. But I think it actually looks good at this point for all three of those schools to make it in. UCF obviously is just solely dependent on record right now, because if they got the record there, they're going to win the matches to move up even more in the rankings. So they're in. So for them, it's just find a way to get to 500. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you're out. All right, there we go. With that in mind, let's move on. Someone who earned a much needed victory, the Arkansas Razorbacks. 44 in the current rankings, 48 in the projected after they earn a 4-3 victory over Mississippi State. I mean, I apologize, Maddie. We got to go back to Chris. How are you feeling? Ooh, that was brutal. Uh, <laughs> and we talked about this on the SEC show. Hey, you know, there are good things and bad things to having a small roster. When you only have seven scholarship players and two of them are out, it's not a good thing. Uh, and that's what <laughs> happened to Mississippi State <laughs> at Arkansas. And, you know, you hope it doesn't come down to that. But indeed it did. It was a 4-3 match. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's the way it rolls. But for Arkansas, that's exactly what they Arkansas need. is freaking good. All right. No, we have given Andy Jackson plenty of grief over the years on this show. And as our, well, you can go lose at Arkansas. That's your bad weekend. It's not a bad weekend. I apologize for cutting you off. But Recco, Roussette, you know, Bukan, Manuel, all these guys can freaking play. Yeah, I had Manuel on my honorable yeah, mention. Deservedly list. You know, so. Five singles. He's been great. We know Bukan. Bukan's record's not been great, but look, this is a guy that's playing six that last year beat Wiedemann and, and Schachter. Yeah. I mean, come on. They, you know the kid can play. 
So yeah, they're a good team. The 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 problem that that Arkansas has got sta- staring them in the face is right now, temporarily that head win had gotten them in. They're back on the outside looking in again. But the good news for Arkansas, what, granted their road matches doesn't make it easy, but Ole Miss and LSU winnable matches this weekend, and both worth points. I mean, those teams are, you know, top 50-ish type teams. Ole Miss is, LSU, I don't know where they are exactly, but they're 41 right in, in the current rankings. Yeah, so they're, they're both going to be points that would be valuable to Arkansas. If a split might even be good enough. If they can avoid going 0-2, they go 2-0, and they're in. I mean, and you still have conference tournament left. But yeah, they've got, uh, they get one good win, they're back in the tournament again. Dalton, and don't fight. somebody else off the bubble. Dalton, don't fire me. Maddie. Arkansas plays Northwestern right now. Who wins? Arkansas plays Northwest. Oh man, I think it's a, I think it's a good match, but I probably I lean Northwestern just a little bit. I, I mean, the graphic says Arkansas makes its case. They're going to make their case. They haven't made their case yet. They have the chance now to make their case. This I think week. now's the chance to cement the case. I think they well, opened the case, and now it's time to cement it. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I think they have to do a little bit more. Let's see what okay. they do this weekend. Let's see what they do at the SEC tournament. If they're as good as you guys are saying they are, they'll get in. Okay. So let's see. No harm, no foul. I agree with you. Well, let's talk about two teams who have struggled of late. Miami, Oklahoma. Each has lost six of their last eight. Miami loses to Virginia Tech for three this weekend. I mean, I said it first week of the year, Virginia Tech's the team no one's talking about. Uh, Extraordinarily talented. So good. I mean, played Michigan as tough as anyone this year. Um, Or Oklahoma, knocked off by Texas Tech for three. Fall to Baylor as well, 6-1. I mean, these are two teams who had really good Februaries and starts of March and have fallen off a bit, Maddie. Yeah, disappointing for both schools. I mean, Miami, we were talking Miami, about- in my opinion, more than Oklahoma, because, like, you lose to Baylor, Texas, TCU, whatever. No, But, right. like, Miami's the one where I thought they were going to make a top 20, 16-ish push. They didn't. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, but Oklahoma has a very good team. I mean, you look at them and go, man, I mean, they should be doing better, but they play in the Big 12. It, it, it's always tough for them, you know, with those teams that you mentioned, Gruskin. But I agree, Miami, I was excited about Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a couple months ago, I mean, even maybe less than two months ago, we were talking about Miami like, mm-hmm. man, in the ACC, can they finish third? Can they finish four, you know, top four in the ACC? Um, and they. Yeah, the answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. They certainly can't, but it is it is disappointing because they started off really well in the first month or two of the season and they just they they couldn't sustain that type of success. The um, ACC is the SEC with the worst press like advisor, with the worst press secretary. If they like again, the ACC's got extraordinary depth and so again, if I ask you Miami versus Northwestern right now, who you got? You'd ask me indoors or outdoors. That would probably make all of the difference. At the no, same I'd time, probably I, I agree Northwestern. Man. Yeah, they've just struggled, For- Chris. Yeah, sorry, Maddie. Yeah, I I in that matchup, I I think I'd probably lean Northwestern, but man, I, I haven't seen a lot of them. I, I, you know, I know, I know more paper results for them than Arkansas. And if you're telling me it's not at Arkansas, Arkansas, super more dangerous at home than anywhere else. Neutral site, tough. If they play it at Arkansas, I'll take Arkansas. Sure. All right. Fair. All right. I want to do three consecutively here. Middle Tennessee. 
doing all it can. 4-0 victory over Memphis. You also had Harvard locking up the Ivy League. 4-1 victory over Columbia. Yeah, you can tell me that's one of my bad takes on the year. I acknowledge it. Uh, SMU. Fifth consecutive win. They've now knocked off UCF, Temple, Wichita, Memphis, and Tulane all consecutively. I'll start with you, Maddie. Which of those appeals most to you? Well, really all of them. I mean, for yeah. me, the Middle Tennessee, I in my rankings, guys, I do have Middle Tennessee as a host. I have okay. them in there at that number 16 spot. So I, you know, th- like you said, the graphic says that they do all they can. They've been winning their matches, and, and I think they're a very good team. So I have them at 16 right now. Harvard over Columbia, I called that last week, guys. Everybody that watches the show knows that. Columbia is not – this is not Columbia that we know from previous years, so this is no surprise to me. Um, in SMU, we've been talking about SMU all year, really, how good that they've become um, You know, this season. They've taken a major step forward, a couple of transfers coming in there, guys really stepping up and playing well. So, again, for me – None of those three results are are really all that surprising because those Middle Tennessee, Harvard, SMU, all very good teams. I'm not shocked by it. SMU is very good. And yeah. again, it's 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 a new formation of teams. It's not a super team. It's like I'm trying to think of the NBA equivalent where a bunch of free agents came together and it's like they finished fifth. In the like, East. like, like the finished. Lakers who didn't make the playoffs. No, that's see, that's not what SMU is. Um, and that's probably the extent that. of your basketball knowledge right there. Chris, they're no, they're like the Chicago Bulls. I where it's like given Grant the old backhanded. Uh, you know. I think, no, I think in this comparison, DeMar DeRozan is Adam Neff. Um, and it's like, they're the bulls where again, are they going to get to the sweet 16? I don't think so. Are the bulls going to get to the second round? I don't think so. At the same time, did the bulls have a building season? Absolutely. Has SMU had a building season without question? They're not the Nets Westoff who chimes in. God, I'm so happy. Super producer, Daniel Westoff, who's probably like basketball. He's like, let's go. They're not the Nets because they don't have an, like, to bring in Durant and Irving would yeah. be like bringing in Adrian Boyton and I'm not going to make a comparison for Kyrie Irving. I'm not doing well, that. Well, and Ben is Simmons is there too, and he's <laughs> no, been injured. But if Ben Simmons plays, I mean, that's, that's another guy. The Nets are too dangerous. SMU's yeah. not dangerous as the Nets. You're also so wrong, Chris. There are so many people who would, who would qualify as Kyrie Irvings right now in college tennis. Like, you could not be more incorrect. You uh, just don't want to call them that. Oh, not a chance in hell. They will save that for Patreon. Um, all right. Yeah. With that said, the last one, and I, it's just too big of a result to not have mentioned. Maddie, TCU knocks off Texas 4 1. TC, again, they were never gone, but it's just like a reminder because there's only six Big 12 matches. Just remember, this TCU team is a definitive national, like again, tier one. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm not surprised by this result. I mean, I think I called it last week. We talked about it. Hey, that match was in Fort Worth, I believe. So, you know, they, yeah, they were at, which is also, I believe the site of the big 12 tournament. It is, it is there. So yeah, the frogs, I mean, I think the frogs are right where they want to be. Coach Roditi's got to be pretty happy. Go yeah, Frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Cut that clip, Coach Roditi, and just play it on repeat. Actually, Westoff, make a mark there so we can send that to the TCU. <laughs> Athletic. No, I want to see the gif of you doing that the next time they win a match. I want just the screen up on your face, Go Frogs from Mastakoya, because, God, would that be beautiful. Uh, all right. With that said, let's move over to our rankings because, again, how do the week's results uh, create any movement, any change? Very little shift at the top. Florida still holding on to that top spot. We have Michigan. 
Michigan at number two, Ohio State at number three. Then we go TCU Baylor, four five. And certainly Baylor fans will say, wait, we beat TCU. TCU fans will say, wait, we beat Baylor. So maybe you should be tied for fourth. Maybe it was a tie and Westoff split it. Not sure if that was the case. Nevertheless, both of your teams are top five. Both of you should be hosts come the NCAA tournament. After that, ACC duo, Virginia, Wake Forest, Virginia beat them in the regular season. Likely to see that again in the conference tournament. Right now in our eighth spot is South Carolina. They are the top of the three uh, big uh, SEC schools, although we should point out Tennessee's fallen out of our top eight. Now they won't for the rankings, but we have South Carolina as that second SEC team, only two SEC top eight seeds in our rankings right now. After that, it's a plethora of, uh, of SEC schools, Kentucky nine, Tennessee, 10, Georgia 11. We then go Texas 12, the hottest team on the West coast, Arizona 13, USC 14, Stanford 15. And as you mentioned, I think all of us agree right now, middle Tennessee, just they've be, they've done everything we've asked of them. You got to reward them, give them that number 16 spot. I'll start with you, Maddie, directionally, individually, any significant qualms with this list? No, that's got to be, I can't even remember what I submitted, but that's got to be pretty darn close to it. Yeah, that feels like exactly, I don't know what I had, that feels about it. It, I think I may have put Arizona ahead of Texas, though, at 12 yeah, and 13. Yeah, you, I think I might have had that flipped. You, with, you and I both have Arizona at 12, Maddie. So for them to come out 13 and Jay's on the West Coast, he's got to have them up there. Gruskin's got to be the one pooping on Arizona. I mean, I will say this. No one knows my ballot this week, Chris, better than you. Uh, and so I suppose you will be the one uh, who can tell me exactly. <laughs> Good. Chris is laughing hard because I'm not going to explain that joke to everyone, but he gets it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, these are good uh, rankings though. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm overwhelmed. I'm glad. Cause I don't think you got that joke in the first five seconds, Chris, but yeah, I saw the was, bomb go off in your head and then you good. did get it. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm happy. Um, yeah. This feels good. I honestly don't know if I'd have Stanford in my top 16 just because, like, what's the definitive win for them, like, since January? What have they done that has wowed you? I don't have anything on my list right now. I'm still malleable, I'll say, uh, overall yeah, but, in terms of all these The teams. problem there, right, is it starting, you know, after those, after those 15 mm-hmm. is where we get interesting. And you had schools like Middle Tennessee like San Diego, like Pepperdine, like North Carolina, like Harvard, like Duke, like Louisville. And you, they're all kind of in that. And, and as much as we haven't seen any momentum from Stanford to say, if they played Stanford heads up, who are you picking? We're probably all going to pick Stanford. That's kind of how I viewed it. I mean, that's kind of how I viewed it too. Really? I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. I, well, let me tell you this, Chris, if you have a top five MVP on the line, you better be picking Stanford and Max Bazing. <laughs> like, yeah, you better hope he's, so. He's winning that baby for me, man. Yeah, exactly. But so coach Borndame, if you're out there listening to this or someone can play it for you, we, we think you've earned top 16. I'm rocking the middle Tennessee hat here on today's broadcast. Uh, that said, uh, again, that race still very much wide open. And with that in mind, let's turn towards the week ahead as we've got a lot of fun action ahead of us. The big one, all eyes turn to Columbus, Michigan at Ohio State. It's the sequel. Wolverines knock out Ohio State 4-0 in Ann Arbor earlier this season. That matchup coming up tomorrow night. Uh, so Friday night, depending on when you're all listening to this. Now, unfortunately, it's an SEC broadcast night for us, so we won't have that on our Big Ten cross-court cast. 
I would be lying if I said I won't have the iPad open to watch that one unfold. Maddie, give me your prediction. Let's just go straight prediction here. Who you got? I'm going to take the Buckeyes. 4-3, 4-2, 4-1. Give me a score, too. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State 4-3. Chris? I mean, it's in Columbus. There's no way I'm not picking Ohio State. Uh, and they're probably playing clinch, which makes the score almost impossible to, you know, to guess. But uh, I'll say 4-2 Buckeyes. So I'm going to throw out the Virginia match from last year's national indoors uh, from last year's uh, kickoff weekend, because that was a COVID year. Practices weren't the same. That doesn't count. The last time a team went into Columbus and earned a victory, it was spearheaded by an AG. Now I am not Alex Galea, but I am Alex Gruskin and I'm going to spearhead these Michigan Wolverines to an upset victory. God damn it. We're going to go do it. We're going to go in front of, 800 plus roaring Buckeyes and get the job done and solidify our status as a top eight seed. That match is going to be so good. I'll take Wolverines four three. Come on. Uh, let's I rock. I, I go four one now just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> four three doubles. BD. Styler. And young and Gavin young is going to get Where's, the clinch. What, what spot Styler over. Styler's playing. It doesn't matter. He's so good right now. I saw him and I'm telling you guys, he's just like, he's just back. Styler's back. He's healthy. He's fit. He's back. Yeah. Here's the question. Like we know Ohio state's going to be ridiculous at two, whatever they put there. So does, does Steiny just go heads up and go, I'm putting my hottest and your, and, and your best head to head at two. Or does he say, no, I'll take the point and put it Styler at one. And then you're probably cons- that, you know, you're probably not getting two. I think think he goes, Ty, he goes, Ty, do whatever you want. We feel good about Andre Styler against either of your guys. He already beat Cannon in Ann Arbor. Knowing Ty the way I do, he'll try to switch the matchups and say, you flip and, and Stein, will say, let's roll. Um, Because again, that's how good I'm feeling about Andre Styler uh, right now. But boy, is that match going to have fun. North Carolina foursome. Duke, North Carolina, traveling to Wake and NC State, respectfully. Give me the – well, just give me the four records, Maddie. Give me the records for each team after the weekend mm. in these two matchups. Okay, so I'm going to be at the Duke-NC State match tomorrow, by the way. So Coach Spencer's got a spot saved for you, my friend. He, he does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> man, I, that's tough because – I might be wearing some other gear. Um, I'm going to say Duke goes one and one. Um, Wake. So for Wake, is it just one? Who does? Oh, both UNC and Duke. I'm going to say Wake goes two and oh. Duke goes one and one. UNC goes one and one and NC wow. State goes 0 and 2. Boo him in Raleigh tomorrow. Throw popcorn at him. Don't, like Spikes on the seat. He needs to be th- sitting on thumbtacks. Do we still do that to people? I think they're going to, these are all going to be good matches, but NC State already beat UNC earlier yeah. in the season. Remember in Chapel By the way, Hill? Dirty secret. 
I completely agree with your records. I just I, wanted, I just wanted I mean, some controversy. That's just kind of how I see it falling. Now it I could agree. be different, but I'm expecting some great matches. I mean, I think the Duke NC State match is really, really going to be exciting. Um, even Carolina and NC State. Now I'm hoping that Duke and UNC can push Wake. I mean, I want to see those matches really go the distance. They're in Winston-Salem, though. Wake is so good at home. Duke hasn't had a lot of success there recently. I think it's going to be tough for the for the Blue Devils to go in there and get a win. I hope they can do it. Um, and the same thing for the Heels. Now, the Heels in previous years would have had a much better chance, but this year... I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm hoping for them to make it tight, but I think Wake will go 2-0 and at home. I rescind my records. I'm going to go Wake 2-0, and UNC 1-1, and NC State 1-1, and and Duke 0-2. and What say you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, the only one I feel super good about is I think Wake comes out 2-0. and um, I don't think NC State loses both matches at home. It's really they tough. They could. To pick, they could. It's really tough to pick them to beat North Carolina again, given that they've already done it once. But, man, just because I'm going to be different than both of you, I'm going the home team sweeps the weekend. Let's go. I like that a lot. Forest 2-0 and UNC Duke go winless. It's a good pick. If NC State goes 2-0, that'll be huge for the Wolfpack if they beat Carolina and Duke. Massive for the conference tournament, It doesn't quite get them yet to top 16. I I ran that scenario. It gets them up to, I think, right around 18. But it puts them in the striking distance of now another win in the conference tournament, and they could be looking at a top 16. Yeah, I mean, this is a big weekend for NC State. That's their only chance for hosting is they've got They have to sweep this weekend. Uh, if they want to have a shot at hosting. I mean, that barring beating Wake or Virginia in the conference tournament. Right. I just think the margins are going to be so slim in those matches, the Duke at NC State and Carolina at NC State. I mean, it. this thing could come down to just a couple of points. I think both of those matches could be super, super tight. I'm happy that I'll be there tomorrow for sure. Yeah. And then again, we move to other conferences, final SEC regular season weekend. As we mentioned earlier, Texas A&M, that brutal South Carolina, Florida trip. I still don't know what to think of the Auburn men. They're very good. How good is very good? That's something I don't know. They've got huge opportunities. If they can go one and one at Georgia, at Tennessee, I don't think they will. But again, I could see Auburn knocking off Tennessee, depending on the health of Johannes Monday. I could also see them honestly knocking off Georgia. I, I think Auburn's the deeper of the two teams and I like their doubles better. Um, So I think, I think Auburn goes one and one on the weekend. We already talked about Arkansas at Ole Miss, the fascinating one to me that I want to hear from you guys. on. I mean, you can talk about all of them, of course, but Vandy at Mississippi state at Ole Miss, their livelihood is on the line. And you look for this Vanderbilt team who right now, 43 in the projected rankings, 14 and nine overall 50 in the current rankings. They've played everyone so close this year. It would be heartbreak if they don't end up in the NCAA tournament. Maddie, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on this SEC regular season weekend? Well, Vandy needs them, right? I mean, these are road matches for them. They're freaking good. Clopper, Ferreira, Harwell, all these guys, they're they're just good. Then it is tough to go to Mississippi though. When you're playing Ole Miss and MSU back to back, I mean, that is not easy for any team to go to Mississippi and win those matches. 
they they have to find a way to do it though. I mean, they, they, they have to get those wins. I think, um, I, I, I just don't know if they're able to do it. I, I, I don't know if Vandy's going to go two and oh, I think probably more likely it's, it's more like one and one. Chris. Well, the thing is in all likelihood, one and one's probably enough. It's if, yeah. they, if it's over Mississippi state, I just plug that in a win at Mississippi state and a loss at old miss puts them at 40 and that's inside the number. Now then you hey. still have conference tournaments to go, but I think for them, I mean, well, obviously the goal is two and zero, but to, but honestly, you're not terribly dissatisfied if you come out one and one, zero and two, and your season's probably over. Uh, and you know, then bar, then you basically say we have to have a couple good wins in the SEC tourney, one and one, and you're either inside the cut line or right on it to the point where you you could still get there without having to, you know, knock off a top five team in the SEC tourney. So, so they're still alive. It's tough. I think, I think Mississippi state's back at full strength. Doesn't mean they're going to win the match. They're tough. They're tough at home as is old miss. Yeah. But I'm with you, Gruska. I mean, gosh, Vandy's two and eight and they're the best two and eight SEC ever you've seen Mm -hmm. uh, playing another two and eight and three and seven SEC team. No, to me, Vandy, Vandy has had a better season than Ole Miss. I don't care what the records say. Vandy's had a better season. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that I, I, I think they get. I, I think they find a way to go into Ole Miss and win. It's a. I know it's a tough place to play, but I'm just not going to pick against my Bulldogs. So yeah. I'll take State at home, and then I'll say Vandy goes to Ole Miss and wins and gets themselves right there on that bubble. I like it. Some other ones to monitor Northwestern at Illinois on Saturday, less important perhaps than it was a weekend ago. Still one to watch USF UCF, the South or the Florida showdown, Arizona state at Washington at Oregon, both Washington and Oregon need that victory. Uh, if Arizona state goes one and one, that's very bad for one of those two teams. NCAA cases, UCLA, as you mentioned, taking on Utah, you've got Stanford at Cal Tulsa at middle Tennessee, Harvard chance to cement to top 16 case they've got princeton and northwestern this week it's gonna be another fun week of division one men's college tennis action across the country and of course this weekend we've got some coverage for all of you it's our final sec cross-court cast that makes me sad to say i'm gonna what am i gonna do with my friday sleep like go out at night oh no west off we're gonna have to find a new plan but you look overall you've got 10 matches on the day starts with the kentucky Ole miss women at noon ends with a wave of 6 p.m matches including a very fun arkansas versus texas a&m women's match certainly alabama georgia should get frisky we've got the aforementioned south carolina texas a&m matchup coming up at 5 p.m eastern time as well so plenty of fun action for us scattered throughout the day of course on sunday we've got the big 10 and no, we don't get the Ohio State-Michigan thriller, but plenty of NCAA implications. I think the Wisconsin women are going to upset Ohio State on Sunday. I think you look at the men's matches, certainly uh, for per, you know for Wisconsin, they need every win they can get. I think you look for Nebraska probably out of it now, but who knows? Maybe they ride a wave of momentum to some conference tournament final or something crazy. They've got a shot to solidify a three, maybe a four, you know, a four seed, no worse than a four seed uh, in conference play as they lost to Northwestern last weekend, but a four seed would be a major step forward for head coach Sean Mamie. So again, 
fun weekend of action for you all here on our Crack Rackets cross-court cast as we wind down this 2022 college tennis regular season. And again, we will be back each and every week through the remainder of the year to talk about where things stand, talk about all the biggest results, get you ready for the season's home stretch. Of course, a huge shout out as always to our friends at Swing Vision and Turna for their support. You can learn more about Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this pod. You can also learn more about our friends at Turna by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. Heck of an editing job to do and makes all of our content here at Crack Rackets possible. With that in mind, Maddie, then Chris, any final thoughts? Nah, man, let's uh, let's enjoy this last weekend of the regular season. And then, you know, we're going to have some really good conference tournaments coming up soon. So uh, looking forward to it. As they say in uh, Formula One, box, box, box. But now we're in the push, push phase. So with that in mind, Chris, push, push. Yeah, uh, two. So one, I think that, that, that was a slight typo on the last graphic. Harvard has Princeton and Penn this weekend, not Northwestern. No, Northwestern Wednesday, rescheduled. Uh, oh, this Wednesday. Okay, so they've got Princeton and Penn on the weekend. Yeah, sorry. That was the that was the rescheduled match for Wednesday. I gotcha. apologize. And, Good call. So the interesting part with Harvard is because there's no Ivy League conference tournament, they will be sort of the the leader in the clubhouse, if you will, for a hosting spot when they wrap up, I mean, they're not going to lose. I think they have two matches after that with like Yale and, you know, Brown or someone, I don't matches. They won't lose, but also won't add any points, whatever, whatever their point total is at that point, you know, that's kind of, that's it. And if you're shooting for a top 16, you know, you're looking at them going, well, can we get around them? Cause they're not that that's a number. So, so that's interesting. The other uh, interesting one I'll bring up is, you know, I, I, I get inquiries from coaches at this time of year, every year, Hey, we're a bubble team. What can we do? Well, one of those matches has been added to the schedule coming up. Charlotte, who is a bubble team, is going to go to Stillwater and play Oklahoma State. So both of those teams looking, you know, just on the outside looking in right now, someone with a chance to get a good win and make their case for the tournament. That is fascinating. That is good stuff. And again, we're going to see more of those pop out, I think, over the course of the next few months as all these teams try to make uh, that final push. With that said, again, another week of college tennis in the books. Of course, we will be back next week, 7 p.m. here, Thursday Eastern time. To recap all the men's action, we are every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, where we talk about all of the men. Of course, if you want to hear more about our broadcast, the teams participating in them, Chris and I broke down all the SEC action. You can find that on the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, John Parsons will be joining me on Friday to do the same for the Big Ten. With all that said, for my fantastic co-host, Matt the Cracks, Koyak, and Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turner from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, hey. Great, great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>